0: We're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. Well, good morning, Real Life family here. How are you guys doing? All right. And good morning to our Real Life family online. How are you guys doing? Can't even hear you. No. Uh, super honored and excited to be here. Man, I'm slipping all over this podium because I've put so much hand sanitizer on. I've like, If you saw me shake somebody's hand and then I ran over and put hand sanitizer on right after, that is not new. That is how I've been for a long time. It's just the, kind of the way I work. I just like to spread the sanitization of Jesus all around the world. So, um, just, did anybody, first of all, great job on the video, guys. Appreciate that. Does anybody have the same amount of anxiety that I have around a campfire with kids and burning marshmallows and sharp steel sticks? Have you ever seen that? Like, I just, just someday, I just know it's just going to be like... Just right right in the face, right in the eyeball, all those things, and they're like, "Look, my, it's on fire, it's not a sparkler.? okay? It's not a sparkler. It's a burning hot piece of marshmallow. So as we're watching that, I was like, "Is it going to hit her? I can't tell. Is that the trend What's going on? So um, I'm excited to be here today. I'm excited to share with you what God's put on my heart this week, But even just before I was thinking about um, the COVID stuff that's happening and how cases are, have kicked up a little bit and not a little bit a lot of bit. Um, and, you know, I have brothers down in Boise where they've, you know, the stage has rewound a little bit. And uh, I want to take a couple of seconds. I just feel moved to do this, that, that we would just pray as a body together. And not pray like, oh, please, God, help us. But, like, pray like he hears the cry of the oppressed. And I don't know that we feel overly, like, oppressed, but, like, God... You know, what do you want um, for me and for us to learn about this? This is not surprising to you, but it's frustrating to me. And what are you trying to teach me through this? And, Lord, would you please help us learn? Help the scientists that are studying this. Help us move forward towards any sort of vaccine opportunities. Help us move forward in this understanding of the virus and all those things. And everybody's got an opinion on the virus, right? Everybody's got an opinion on that. I mean, I'm an expert. I've read several things on Facebook. Um, but, like, this is this is a, a real deal, obviously. It's affected a lot of lives. You know, there's uh, people that are are passing away because of this and praise God that it's not as bad as they thought it was going to be but I just want to take a, a minute or two for us to like really get down in your heart and, and and pray silently and I'll pray at the same time but let's just take time as a body uh, to pray uh, together for this so if, if, you would, if you would join me oh Father we come to you your children um I know that this has not surprised you. You are not a creator who gets surprised. Oh, I didn't see that coming. But you're a creator that has intentionality. And, and I know that I've learned things through this, Lord. And I would just ask that you would just open my heart to stay teachable. What do you want me to learn through this time? What do you want me to miss through this time, Lord. Show me what where my values were on and where my values were not on. Lord, I ask for your hand upon the thousands and thousands of scientists and medical workers and all the folks that are studying this, that you would open up uh, even more pathways for us to understand what this is. And not to be the hero with the cure and forget about all this and go back to whatever we thought was normal. Um, but just open up our understanding of this. Help us to, uh, to remove the politics from this and to hear the cry of the oppressed. To hear the cry of your people. Let us focus on your creation on how we're stewarding the earth you've given us to be in and how we're stewarding your most precious creation, your, your people. And so, Lord, help us to do that in a mighty way. Lord, I'm going to be specifically, and I ask, Father God, that you would just uh, supernaturally just come come in if it's your will and, 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 and help us with this. Help us to move forward in this uh, in a way where we don't lose what we've learned in this, but we can move forward in sharing about you Show us, show off, Lord. Just continue to show off who you are and that your hand is in, a, in, in everything that we're doing. I ask you to just be with all the families that have lost loved ones from the virus and folks that have lost loved ones that haven't been able to mourn yet. And so, Father God, I just ask for your hand upon this. We ask for this as a body of believers. We believe that you move mountains. You rolled away the stone at the tomb and that your hand has never left us. So help us, Father. Help us to negotiate and treat each other well as we move through this time. We say this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. So here we are camping in the parables, the parable of the workers and the vineyard. And let's dive right in. Um, the parable of the workers in the vineyard. Uh, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner. Have you noticed a trend when you go through the parables? Have you noticed all of this, this wording about the kingdom of heaven is like this? Uh, the kingdom of God is like this. And if you notice that in about 20, so over half of Jesus' parables, he starts them off with the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is like this. So would that make sense that we maybe would pay a lot of attention to what he's talking about when he talks about the kingdom? If he says it over and over and over and over and over again and starts parables, like he, he starts these parables and some of them are obscure and they're weird. So we, we looked at the one as the kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil. And we looked at that at the very beginning. He says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field. And I think we're going to get to that one. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet cast into the sea. Okay, cool. What's this kingdom of heaven? The kingdom of heaven will be comparable to ten virgins. Okay, what, is that, what does that mean, God? Uh, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. Jesus, what do you want us to understand about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God? Why do you start most of your parables that way or over half of them that way. Some good resources at the bottom of your digital notes. A uh, book from our good friend Aaron Couch, um, Beyond Salvation. Uh, it's an e-book. It's a good book to read. And diving into this talk about the kingdom. And so what is Jesus trying to describe? Why does he want us to talk about does he want us to say, like, I want you to think about the kingdom of heaven like this. And I want you to think about the kingdom of heaven like this and the kingdom of God like this. Maybe it's a picture of what heaven could look like. Maybe it's us walking in the garden hand in hand with our Creator without shame, without nakedness, without embarrassment, without all of those things. It's going to be like this. Maybe it's What things could look like when we seek and find the pearls of wisdom in his parables. A lot of the things that he's describing is talking about the kingdom of heaven is now. Like we are to help usher in with Christ bringing heaven crashing into earth. Have you heard that phrase before? So why would heaven need to come here? I thought we were going there. Where he wants us to look and act and function and be like people who would be in the kingdom of heaven, not some someday or. But today, this is what the kingdom of heaven could look like if you want to participate in it. So grace is not fair. It's generous. Grace is not fair. It's generous. Thank you. Yeah. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. So this is kind of what maybe a denarius would look like. I don't know. It was a cool coin picture with Caesar on it. And so what is a denarius? And it says in your Bible and in your notes, it says a denarius is a day's wage. Well, that's cool. You got paid like they didn't automatically get deposited two weeks later. Well, that would be inconvenient if you needed to eat. That'd be inconvenient if you needed to feed your family. Most of us have never been in that part, that, that stage in life where you didn't know if you were going to eat or not. You didn't know if you were going to feed your family. So getting paid a day's wage for a day's work that same day meant that your kids sitting next to you got to eat. This is substance farmers working in a field. This is real why would Jesus tell a story Because this is real people in a real place in a real time that needed to eat and they could relate to this story. Think about the audience and who Jesus is talking to. They could relate to this story oh cool that 's cool. that guy got those families are going to get to eat that 's good and he agreed to pay them that denarius uh, for for the day and he sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing around the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go into, uh, go work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. So they have no guarantee of what they're going to get. It's up to the landowner that's going to, uh, to give what we call it mishpat. He's going to, to give just, justly. He's going to give, give you what you need. He went out again at noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. And about five, he went and still found others standing around. And he asked them, Why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? Because no one has hired us. I find that phrase interesting because no one has hired us. Did no one see them? Were they late? Did they not get invited? I see that in the Christian world, in the church world. Like, you know, why, well, why didn't you go to church? I was never invited. Oh, really? Why wouldn't I invite somebody to a place that I'm pretty passionate about unless it was lame? And God is not lame, even though his people are sometimes, right? And so are you available? Are you available to invite? Do you see people um, that are standing around wondering? You know, we had a pretty cool event, not event, a a weekly uh, visit last Thursday with Celebrate Recovery. Any CR folks here? All right. And that happens every Thursday, and you can come to it. It's every Thursday at 6.30. And let me tell you what happened that was very moving to me. There was probably about 40 of us in this room, 50 of us maybe. And they had a graduation um, for people who went through a six-month step study. And they had the leaders up here, and they had a group of ladies, and there was, I think, five or six of them. And a couple of their stories was like, yeah, I came to this thing for somebody else, but look what God did in my life. We had ladies up there that God connected that had both lost children. And they got to work through the grief and they got to share how God healed them through community. And we had men up here that got to share what God did through them in their step study and how it helped them with their addictions, and how even when they maybe fail and mess up, they still had people there that were right there with them. That is where the action is. That was ki- the kingdom of heaven crashing into earth, celebrating it from a stage. Because the only people that need to come to CR are people who have uh, any uh, broken, uh, ha- bad habits or hang-ups or uh, any baggage they might be driving ar- dragging around, which would be... Oh, maybe all of us might have that. Well, I'm the buttoned-up professional. I'm the I'm the banker. I'm the insurance guy. Like I look good on the outside. I smell good on the outside. I got all the cool stuff and toys and all those things, and I've got it all going on. But I'm broken on the inside. I'm living a lie on the inside, but you wouldn't know it because I could smile with the best of them. Good to see you, brother. That's the kingdom of heaven crashing into earth, inviting people. So they said, because no one hired us, and he said to them, you also go work in my vineyard. You're welcome. Come on into the vineyard. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to the foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. It's interesting to me that he would instruct them specifically to do it that way. That would be a little bit uncommon in that culture. Um, you know, because you would want to make sure you could pay the folks that did the full days of work. And so he lets them see this. And, uh, and, and what would have happened if they would have gone first and left? Would we even have the story? Would you have been angry or mad if you didn't know that somebody got paid more for a job that you maybe did better or worked longer at? No, I don't know about it. I'm okay with it, I guess. Like you wouldn't know. But they get to know. So the workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came in and each received a denarius. A day's labor. They get to go feed their family and they only worked for like an hour or two. How cool is that? Because that's what we all thought, right? So, So when those who came who were hired first, they expected to receive more expectations, how are you doing with expectations and assumptions? They expected to receive more, but each one of them was also received a denarius, and when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. You are grumbling against someone who is generous. You're grumbling against someone who actually did what they said they were going to do and paid you what they said they were going to do. They didn't give you like, hey, I'll get that to you in 90 days. Good luck feeding your family. But in your mind, you saw that and you said that was unfair. Unfair. That's unfair. Why would you give them the same as you gave me and I did more? Grace. Grace is not fair. Grace is generous. And so uh, they grumbled, and these were, uh, these were uh, who was hired last, worked only an hour, and they said, and you've made them equal to us. They're not equal to us. You know, one of the pieces of the definition of fair was that uh, fair is not self-seeking, So I went back and started thinking about all the times I thought things were unfair. And you know who was involved in that discussion? The self-seeker. Fair is not self-seeking. So you've made them equal to us who have bore the burden of the work and the heat of the day. A lot of the teachings on this would be like, this is the chosen people, the people who were first, the, the Jews, the Israelites, God's chosen people who bore the heat of the day. And you've made these latecomers. We're latecomers, in case you didn't know. You've made them equal to us. They get the same reward. They get the same payment and they didn't do all the work. Interesting. But he answered one of them, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Take your pay and go. I will give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm I'm generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Just kind of a, uh, at the end of uh, Matthew 15, uh, it says, or excuse me, Matthew 19, he ends with that same phrase. First will be last, last will be first. And he ends this, he bookends these things about being first and being last. Because maybe the people he was teaching had uh, a order of importance and an order of who, who was in and who was out. And he blows this up right in front of their face. Yep, even those who bore the burden of the heat of the day. they're going Yeah, they're in. And even those who came late on your deathbed, they're in. I was thinking about this. What about the, what about the, the, in the sermon clip this guy brought it up, what about if you got that money at the end and you're like, this guy is the best ever. I can't, so you first, you got your money first. You got a denarius, you worked for an hour. You're like, boop. I'm out of here. Awesome, so you're off coming. And guess where you're going to be maybe the next day? If I only worked for an hour and he gave me a whole day's wages, what would happen if I worked the whole day? I'm going to be first in line. I'm looking for that dude. I'm just going to be like, hey, hi, how you doing? Because I can't imagine what I'm going to get for working the whole day. And did they feel the same way at the end of the next day? So who decides what's fair? I think about grace, and I think about uh, generosity, and I'm pretty excited that I didn't get what was fair. F- being fair is free from self-interest. Let's celebrate that everybody gets to eat. I think kind of one of the points I was taking out of this uh, parable, it took me to the 10 Commandments, and, and I took it off that last verse about envy. In Exodus 20:17, it's one of our Ten Commandments. You know, we kind of look at the Ten Commandments as these rules, but a lot of faiths would look at these—whether it's uh, Muslim or or uh, uh, Buddhism—they would look at these Ten Commandments and be like, hey, "These are like just kind of universal. Like this makes sense. Like it makes sense. Like in the human spirit." without even being taught about God or all those things, if you were to read these things, you'd be like, ah, it makes sense. You probably, like you kind of knew as a three-year-old when you took that toy after you kicked that kid in the head and you took his toy and ran away, you kind of knew that might have been wrong, but you still did it anyway. But there was something within you that knew that. And when I think about the Ten Commandments, and Jesus is like, what are you doing? Why are you coveting? What does coveting lead to? So, so Exodus twenty seventeen says, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. Good news, I'm not. Uh, you shall not co- uh, covet your neighbor's wife, or their male or female servant, has ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Because what does coveting lead to? It leads you to thinking that, that, that God isn't seeing you. He's not providing for you. You don't have enough. You're missing out. And if I'm missing out, I'm going to go get it. So coveting leads us to being separated from God. And what happens when you get separated from God? Not good things. Reasoning, thoughts, all of those things, it, it can take you down a bad road because God has a plan for your life and he has a plan to, to keep you safe. He has a plan to, to help you walk a path. And you're like, I don't want your path, I'm going through this thorn bush because this is a shortcut. And what's it, where is it a shortcut to? Cuts and pain and being envious and jealous of things that you do and don't have. I want to hit a little bit on this James chapter four in my 24 seconds I have left. Uh, drawing close to God, what, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You think things are unfair, and the self-serving interests are in your fairness or unfairness. Later on, in uh, in verse six of that, he says. Uh, or it says they say that God is passionate. Uh, is passionate that the spirit He has placed within us should be faithful to Him, and He gives grace generously. Grace is not fair; it is generous. And Scripture says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So, how are you going to receive grace? You're going to act justly. You're going to love mercy, and you're going to walk humbly. And then he throws a COVID uh, verse in there. It doesn't even apply to what I'm talking about, but he says, wash your hands, you sinners. <laughs> yes, you can do that now. So uh, verse 7 says, you know, wash your hands, you sinners. What I've observed is that some people uh, who have received undeserved grace over and over again and realize it are compelled to give it back. Undeserved grace moves you to being a grace giver. It moves you away from envy. Or it moves me away from envy. I don't know what it does to you. But I've been given undeserved grace. I don't know how my father-in-law and mother-in-law uh, have allowed me to, to 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 function the way I was when I was 19 years old. When I think about Undeserved grace, I think about how they treated me. And a big part of of who I am today is because I was shown grace. I was shown grace by them that I don't understand and sometimes I'm incapable of showing others. I was shown grace, undeserved grace, by my wife when I came out of my gambling addiction in 2005. I've been shown undeserved grace by many of you in this room. When I made mistakes, make made mistakes in front of you. And so I wanna be a grace giver because grace is not fair, it's generous, and my God is generous. Grace crushes envy. It is hard to be envious when you're so focused on giving grace to other people. So how's your grace? What does that look like for you? Are the things that you see as unfair, do they have any sort of self-interest in them? Or do you have this grace that has been shown to you and you just can't help but show it to others? So as we enter in this time of communion, I I wanted to go over some of the questions. If you're uh, watching at home, go ahead and grab your communion. Uh, If you're new with us, good luck. Good luck on opening up these communion things. There's several layers to this uh, to open this up, so I'll give you some time to do that. So we were writing the questions this week. Well, we slash Emmy was writing the questions this week for youth, and I, I'm supposed to write the questions since Darby's on vacation, uh, write the questions for the adults. And I read her youth questions, and I was like, good enough. Like, those are good. Those would make me think those are just good. Those are, those are probably better questions than I would have written. So I want to go over some of these um, And I want you to be thinking about grace. That grace is not fair. And this is a difficult time in our world about understanding what's fair and what's unfair. And it was unfair that the class of 2020 didn't get to experience what the other classes got to experience. It's a difficult time. So uh, let's take a look at some of these questions. If you showed up the next morning or in the morning, and agreed to work for a generous amount of money, how would you feel at the end of the day? This happened to my daughter. She worked for two days cleaning, uh, helping clean an apartment that was fairly gross. And she's 16 years old. And you know how much she got paid? I guess I'll, I'll say it anyway. You know how much she got paid for working two days by a very generous person? $250 for working for two days. We like figured out how many hours she put in there. I'm like, oh man, that would be nice. And so when I think about generous grace, by the way, my daughter's super generous. She'd probably buy you uh, Dutch Brothers or something right now if you really wanted to. Um, she's a super generous girl. Um, but she received some pretty amazing grace and some pretty amazing generosity. So she got more than she even, she didn't even know how much she was going to get paid. She's like, ah, oh, we'll see what happens. Question number two, does that gift of generosity in the form of uh, wages change if someone else walks in at the last minute and receives the same pay? Ellie, if someone came in and only worked for an hour, and then they got, let's say Morgan came in and she only worked for an hour, and then she got 250 bucks as well, how would you feel? Right? How would you feel? What, is that? what does that make you feel? Uh, wait a minute, that's not fair. Wait, I thought it was more than fair. I thought you were super thrilled and shocked that you were taken care of so generously, but now we look at somebody else and, like, wait a minute. Grace is not fair, it is generous. Question number three why do you suppose the act of generosity now feels like a slight? Why is it about you? Is that talking about self-interest? What does this story tell us about God's love for us? He showers you and I in grace. How many of us are like, I've received more than I deserved. My payment was way bigger than I thought. Right? And then how does this parable change how you see God's love? Is God fair? Do you trust him? Do we trust him during the time of COVID? Do we trust him with every step that we take? Is his grace going to be enough for you? Jesus made it enough for all of us. So as we go to the cross this morning, we think about communion and I don't think it was very fair what happened to Jesus on the cross at all. I think it was quite generous. His act was quite generous for me and for you and all of God's children. So the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he would given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you, Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember his grace. And the same way after supper he took the cup, saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's proclaim his grace. Lord, I just thank you for this time. Um, I hope that uh, this parable sits with us that it's not just a, okay, cool story, but it's something we would go back to when we start thinking about what is fair and unfair. Start analyzing fair from a point of self-interest. Is it unfair if it doesn't benefit me? Lord, help me to remember what your kind of grace is. Lord, remove the thoughts of what's fair and unfair in my life and what I see other people do and don't have and get. And let me be a grace giver. Let me, uh, make me like you. Make me see grace and give grace and do it generously. And say that in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.